Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. All right, Sean, you got me all messed up here. I'm used to doing this podcast after lots of coffee, but now we do it afternoon and I'm a man of a certain age and I can't drink coffee afternoon or or I don't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I used to, a number of years ago, uh, make espresso in the afternoon and I had to quit doing it so often because I would end the day jittery. And, uh, you know, I usually have two cups or so of coffee in the morning, you know, pour over. So it's not as strong as espresso, but, but I do miss using my espresso machine because it is, it is a nice one. Uh, and so I guess we're both kind of, kind of, uh, relaxed today. That's right. Not coming in hot like last time. (laughs) No, definitely not. Well, I was just thinking, Hey, it was, I don't know, yesterday or the day before, Elixir, mm-hmm. 10 years old. Yeah, it's wild. Can you believe that? No, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. Not at all. Not at all. It's funny, too, because I do, I do remember, and I'm, I'm sorry, listeners, if I mentioned this on a podcast before, <laughs> but I do remember sitting in, in the lobby, the Union Station Hotel at Strange Loop, and uh, my coworker and friend, Reed Draper, was sitting there with Jose uh, and he was just showing read uh, aspects of the language because it was really new at that time. I think this is must've been like 2013 or 2014. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I do do remember that. Uh, That was a fun night just kind of listening to them talk about it. But then, you know, three years later or so I used it first professionally and that was, that was cool too. That's, that's pretty neat. Ah, All the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're all good old days, right? Yeah, I'm uh are you going to Strange Loop this year? I am strongly considering it. Uh my you know, I'm still concerned about pandemic related things. Um mm-hmm. but um I I did I did appreciate that they have a uh vaccination required policy. Mm-hmm. Um so uh folks in the community, if you want to go to strange loop in St. Louis in is it October this year? Is it September? Uh, it's usually around late September, early October, but yeah, get vaccinated. I feel like I need to go look up when it is exactly September 22nd, 23rd, 24th and papers. We love the day before again. Yes. I'm, Yay. I'm always excited about that. Uh, it's a, it's a great event. I am planning to be at both. I, I preliminarily bought my tickets and if I can't go, well, then we'll figure out something to do with them. But yeah, I'm pretty excited to go there this year. Brooklyn and um, Quinn. Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> friends of the show? I totally forgot what I was saying in the middle of that. Yes, Brooklyn and Quinn, friends of the show, uh, are are both speaking this year. And so that should be awesome. And maybe I'll get to catch up with them. I saw them in Impex for like minute and then <laughs> and then we got sh- told hey we need to take this to the after party but then i i watched my daughter's band concert on my phone and uh live on my phone my son son was skyping me in or whatever whatever the it's called these days uh and then so by the time i walked into the after party quinn and brooklyn had had enough it was pretty loud in there and I think, you know, they put a lot of work into their talks and it was mm-hmm. like, okay, time to take a break. So I missed them. 
But next time, next time. Yeah. Strange Loop, maybe. Well, it, yeah, and Strange Loop is uh, two full days plus the pre-conference day, right? So, so there's plenty of time to catch up with people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they have a TLA Plus training. Yes. Um, I was actually I, considering I that. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> it, it's, I, I think there's the TLA Conf, which is concurrent with PWL Conf. Favorites of Love Conf. And, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, Hello Wayne is, is running the training the day before, which is, is kind of weird. Cause you, they usually do the training on the same day as the, the pre-conference day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that should be pretty awesome. I think you should do it, Amos. <sighs> That's all. There's so, just so much all at once. I know. My brain will be done. Yeah. I've debated. I've been playing with TLA plus. And then, uh, I mentioned it the other day at work and, and Johnny put a link out that of your talk. Yeah. <laughs> that you gave at the local elixir group. And he's like, Hey, Sean like two talked years about ago. This. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm, I, I didn't see that talk. So I'm going to probably watch that and, and see how it goes. Like I'm, I'm at the, the very beginning of my TLA plus journey. This is the second time I looked at it. But, yeah, it's but this it's, time I actually spent a little time on it. It's a thing that it's I think it's really uh useful for refining your thinking. Um mm-hmm. but there's also I feel like every time I come back to it, there's there's a bar I have to reach before I can be productive with it again. Mm-hmm. Um and even then I haven't really gone to intricate stuff. Like I can model fairly simple stuff that like if I were just writing Elixir, I might write stateful quick check properties or something uh, for, um, but, but, um, but you can do some really amazing things with TLA plus. Um, mm-hmm. There's the, uh, there's a whole video series with Leslie Lamport. Um, and it's hilarious by the way, if you haven't seen it because, and there was so much effort put into producing this thing. Um, he has different outfits in every shot. In, in a different location, basically. So when you start each chapter, you don't know where he's going to be or what he's going to be wearing. Um, <laughs> and like, this is his way of being funny. And I mean, it's I say it's hilarious, but it's, it's kind of strange. <laughs> it is. It is strange. Uh, it's, it's pretty like on brand. For it him, is though. very on brand. <laughs> he has a very quirky sense of humor and, and it's funny in his writing. He seems so serious about everything. And I don't know if that's just uh, just him or, you know, or how how he um, how he grew up or whatever. But but then, you know, to see that seriousness and, and when he's talking about TLA plus in the video series, he's very serious. And yet that there's this dichotomy. He's got there a goofy with, hat on. <laughs> yeah, he's got a goofy hat on or, or, you know, his NASA T-shirt or something. You know, it's it's a it's a wild ride. Uh, he. Also, if you're interested in that series, he uh, solves the Die Hard 3 problem mm-hmm. using TLA+. And it's it's uh, pretty interesting. That's what I showed to the team the other day. It's like, hey, check this out. <laughs> yeah, that one's fun, too, because there are lots of different paradigms you can solve that problem mm-hmm. in. Um, you know, obviously, logic programming is one that, that um, you know, like Prolog or something. Um, or... Um, What's that one? It's enclosure. Uh, is it like core logic or something like that? Um, and then there's all the, you know, the Canren, uh, not data log, but there, there, there's, there's all the, the, the Conran variants um, that you can use to do it. 
um, which are built on top of Scheme, most of them. Um, but but yeah, like TLA Plus is actually pretty nice because it the way he if I remember right, the way he solves it is he sets up a model and the the answer is the one that violates the model. Right, right. Because otherwise it just tells you your model's good. Yeah. <laughs> you actually have to put in a bad condition for it because it's made to tell you like these states lead to something that's bad. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not really made to solve the problem so much as but yeah. It, that was that was pretty interesting. Um that's about like as far as I have gone like I've gone a little further, but I'd really like to figure out how to model distributed systems. Maybe we should so TLA plus is is a a language for describing a system and then something that and then a model checker that will check to make sure that your description doesn't um, violate itself, mm-hmm. basically. So, like, if you have a state where something would get stuck uh, and stop running, or um, you can get into a state where nothing is handled, and and it allows you to get those thoughts together before you start coding and mm-hmm. figure out a lot of problems before you get there. Yeah, I think. Um... One thing I like about it, and you know, we mentioned I think in our last recording that uh, I'd given a talk about distributed system stuff in Elixir. One thing that's great about TLA Plus is you can enumerate your safety and liveness properties directly as logical statements, um, and that's that's really cool. So, and I think I think the model checker expects like one one safety property and like a liveness property is optional. But uh, but when you build the the model uh, to check, you can specify which which property you care about to check. So what are what are those two properties? Safety and liveness. Okay, so you're you're gonna make me define them. <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, I'm gonna let so you s- define liveness because I I've liveness is hard. I've heard it over and over, and I've talked about it and had discussions about it. I still can't really like, what is that? Was it Einstein said, if you can't explain something simply, then you don't understand it. So I just assume I really don't understand it. (laughs) Yeah. And and since we're talking about this in the context of TLA plus, I'll give it a bit more formal bent to it too. Um, Because I think if you, if you're thinking in terms of the way the model checker evaluates your, your model, the, uh, that particular explanation makes a lot of sense. Um, So the the le- we'll start with the less formal because that'll hopefully make it easier to understand. There's uh, safety is all the the properties that you care about in your distributed system or your concurrent system that say that nothing goes wrong. So the typical ones you think of are are stuff like consistency, integrity. You know, correctness is not the right word because these are both correctness properties. But I think things where at a particular point in time, you can detect that something went wrong. So, so safety properties from the formal perspective are they are they are held if you can take a step and that property is not violated. But if you take a step and the property is then violated, then that step is incorrect. Um, and it so so that's so when I mean a step, and this is very particular in a lot of ways to TLA plus is that assuming you have a concurrent or distributed system, all of these things are you know, operating on their own time, but you can 
reduce any concurrent timelines to a, a smaller set of single timelines uh, with relationships between events. So, so you can't you can model. Oh well, I've got service A and service B, and they they each you know take some actions. You know that like if service A talks to service B, then that's that there's a relationship between service A sending that message or that request and service B receiving it and taking action on it, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's a partial order to the events, and you can reduce that partial order to a total order um, effectively. Okay, so that that aside. You take any step through any set of components in that system. If the the property you want to assert, so like uh, integrity is a good one, the data is not corrupted. If you can take a step and then that becomes not true anymore, that's the violation of safety property. Okay, so liveness is the fuzzier one for most people like yourself. Uh, and it continues to be fuzzy for me, even though I've like thought about it a lot and I explain it constantly. Mm-hmm. But it's basically means that um, something good eventually happens is the, the colloquial way to put it, the informal way. So explaining that formally is, is a bit harder. But some examples you can think of are um, deadlock freedom is a liveness property. So let's say you have n threads, or you have a bunch of gen servers that know about each other, that they will not send messages to each other in a circular fashion that's a deadlock freedom property that they can always continue doing something uh, starvation freedom so no so every, basically that's that's a form of fairness mm-hmm. every, every uh, component in the system has an opportunity to do some work so it's um, not it's like you you have a few gen servers running and it's really like where the scheduler comes in and says okay gen server you've had enough time and we're going to give somebody else a chance. Right. Right. So starvation freedom. It happens more often in, in systems that aren't cooperative in the sense that the, the Erlang mm-hmm. scheduler is. It's, it's more like, oh, well, you know, this, this a, an example might be this thread takes a lock, like a mutex, and never gives it up. Mm-hmm. You'd essentially, any, any thread that encounters trying to acquire that mutex will be starved. Like they won't get the opportunity to use it. So uh, even though it's not deadlocked, right? That one thread is still operating as far as you know. And anyway, like you, you can think also of things like of, of roughly availability uh, as liveness properties, you know. Um, so you're, you're, how many nines do you have um, mm-hmm. in your system? So the, those are basically, it, it, can't, it can also amount to does, it's why I like to relate it to this other paper, Harvest and Yield, does your system do some useful work? Okay, so so formally, and then I'll get to talking about the, the, the compare and contrast between them. Formally, liveness means that you, so the idea is you want something eventually to happen. This means that for any sequence of steps, there is an extension of that sequence of steps where that property becomes true. Mm-hmm. So, so, you can think of things where, and th- this kind of is the the opposite, or it's not the opposite, the dual of safety in the sense that there may not be a particular point in time when it is violated, but there might be a point in time where you, okay, no, how, see, I'm twisting my brain up with this. <laughs> um, the idea is that you can always continue 
to eventually get to that. So, so if you ever reach a point where there is no extension of the current set of steps that can mm-hmm. make that property true, then you violated liveness. And this is why, like, I, I like to explain it in terms of deadlock or starvation, because you, you can kind of express them as in a not never type of uh, logical idea. Uh, this thing will not never happen, or it'll, which basically means it will eventually happen. So if you encounter any anything that causes it to never be possible again, then that's that's violation of a liveness property. Okay, so so like an important thing about this is, uh, and there's this great blog post by Peter Bayless from I don't know, like 2010, 2011, 2012, I forget. But the idea is that you you need both properties in any system. Mm-hmm. And and the best way to explain that is that with a counterexample. So you could have a completely safe system. Let's say your safety property is consistency. But the way it remains consistent is it never does any work. Like it doesn't accept any read or write requests, but it's consistent. It never, you know, never violates its internal state. Um, so that's that's an s- example of a safe system with no liveness. You can also have a live system that has nothing safe about it. So you can have something that is always available and it just returns a random number. Like there, there's no safety property in that. You can always ask it for something or even it like maybe just answers 42 every single time. Mm-hmm. But there, there's, there's nothing important. Like it's not doing anything significant. It's just responding to requests. So, so this is why you have to combine them. I don't know. Let, let's, let's talk, let's think about maybe something you're working on um, that has, and let's figure out what the safety and liveness properties are like, cause it, it can't be that hard. Right. All right. <laughs> um, sending emails and reminder emails. Okay. Sending so emails send, and reminder emails. Yep. So you request to send an email and then we put a record in the database and it also says what day of the week that you sent that email in that record. And, uh, as long as that record doesn't have a canceled property, so you can cancel it too. Then when that next day of the week comes around, there's a process that will pick it up and send out a reminder. Okay. So this is, this is actually more straightforward. Than, than people might think. Uh, there are probably lots of safety properties, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so a good like one is... at some point, it has to be canceled. Oh, that's... Well, so... That's a liveness okay. property, actually. So, is, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Now, I say that, and I say, right now, there is, like... If a person doesn't do something, it won't cancel. It'll email them okay. every week let, forever. Let, but <laughs> yeah, let's let's not worry about people then. Okay, okay. <laughs> Even though they are part of the system, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I, just off the top of my head, uh, safety property. Uh, a good example uh, is in this case would be durability. So, if someone requests that an email is sent, mm-hmm. that request is not lost. Yep. Uh, another good example is uh, email reminders that are canceled. Do not send emails ever again. Yep. Uh, a liveness property would be an email that has not been canceled or an email request that has not been canceled eventually sends an email. 
Yes. Yes. Uh, another one might be if a user requests that a, a reminder be canceled, it is eventually canceled. Now you got me thinking because now I, I have this weird state now because there's also like it's not that every request will get a reminder. Correct. Because because reminders only come in if something's not canceled before it gets there. So that's a I'm 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 curious as how I would explain that property or if it fits any of these or if it's out an outlier. Yeah, and I, I think in terms of your modeling, this might be a case where you have so similar to a stateful, if you think of it like a stateful quick check property. Because mm-hmm. actually this one thing we didn't mention before, quick check came about because back in the late nineties, early aughts, model checkers were way too slow. Mm-hmm. And and didn't relate directly to the code, and the ones that did were really clunky and hard to use. So what the the folks that invented Quick Check were like, well, let's let's do something close to model checking, but making not take as long, because model checking is all about like let's enumerate every single possible state. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna pass you a string. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so going back to that, the. If you think about this particular system as, you know, in, in terms of its steps, you know, at every, at every, every point in the timeline, you could choose to have the system do something. You just have the user do something, or you could choose to roll over to the next day. So a, a pretty common thing is to enumerate time as, as mm-hmm. like an event that happened. So if it's like, you know, your, your window for sending a reminder e- emails within a si- specific day. And you can say like, oh, well, the day ticked over as an event. Mm-hmm. And this is something you can do in your quick check properties. It's really useful in TLA plus as well. Yep. Um, so, so you could say, you know, the, the, the reminder is for, uh, you know, every Thursday, you know, and uh, today is Wednesday. Well, if you know, the user cancels before the Thursday, it doesn't get sent, right? Mm-hmm. If the user cancels on or after the Thursday, it does get sent. Right. So that that's a sort of sort of thing you could do to to model that that problem. So, so where does like at most or at least properties come in? So like I at they a user at most gets one email or or gets at least one reminder on the seventh day or yeah, so at at most is definitely a safety property, right? Because you can say that it's violated as soon as it reaches a number larger than that at most count, right? At least is a liveness property because you could always in the future eventually meet that as long as there's nothing that co- is causing that to never happen, right? I think that's what always gets me with liveness is the like, is that it's at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and often there's not really a guarantee at, at what point it's just at some, sometime. sometime. Yeah. And this, this is why, like, if you combine them, uh, you can get the sort of effect you want. You just have to, you have to recognize that something that, that limits the amount of time that it can happen in is definitely a safety property. Um, mm-hmm. Because you can say past that time, if it didn't happen, it's violated. So, so what you're, 
what you're thinking about is like, how do I balance these? Treating them relatively independently. They're not going to be independent though, because when, when you when you when you work with the model checker, it's going to enumerate all the possible states. And you know, if one of those two things is violated, then your model shows that that or that the checker shows that your model is invalid, right? Mm -hmm. um, for a particular sequence of steps. So, like, if you wanted to say, you know, they do get an email as a liveness property. But that email has to arrive before a particular time. That's, that's two properties. That's a safety and a liveness. Mm -hmm. Like it has to arrive before day eight. A reminder must arrive right. on day seven. Right. Exactly and, on and, day seven. And maybe maybe if that's the case, the, the liveness property is, is uh, not even related to does it get sent. Because the safety property is it got sent. <laughs> mm hmm and then when you start working with third-party systems, that gets a little hard because right. And maybe at you some can't point, send it that day. Yeah, at some point you you kind of have to draw back your, <laughs> your mm -hmm. expectations, or, or or make some assumptions. Right. My my email service provider, if I'm not building my own, is probably not going to be disabled for 24 hours. More than likely. But that does happen in practice. So it does. Right. Right. So, so you're really only checking, um, is, is my model sufficient enough to convince me that my design makes sense? Mm -hmm. Um, not so much. Well, what if this happens? <laughs> right. Now you could, you could also explicitly model that in, in your, in your model, but like every new thing that you add is going to make it harder for, uh, TLC, the, the model checker. To, to actually figure out whether your model is correct. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that is a trade-off, and partly why I don't usually build very big designs in, in TLA+, is that they, they tend to make it hard to make sense of when something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and also, you know, the time consumed just checking the model. I have never seen a really, really large model and DLA plus. Yeah. Most of the time it's, it's uh for me, it's conceptual overload. Like <laughs> how many <laughs> things did I put in this that I have to keep track of? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, that's the thing is like, you know, you, whenever you're modeling that typically, like, even if you have, if you have an event and then you have a property that's not supposed to change during that event, you should, you should state that as part of it. So that means that you're, Every event that you have that your system can handle, you you have to go through everything, yeah, and say this is what happens to it, even if it's the same. I mean, you don't have to, but as soon as you don't, it starts to get even harder to follow what's going on. Yeah, and then sure ultimately is. you end up having to transfer that into your program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's good stuff. I. I, I, but you you get to make you get to what I like about it is whatever even just talking about it in this conversation is is modeling it in TLA plus is just a, a different level to think about it. Yep. For me and like you know now I'm like oh well that reminder email yeah it might not go out on day seven and then I have to decide do I keep trying on day eight or does day eight only look at day seven stuff or does it look at everything that before that could that mm -hmm. may not have been sent do we say yeah maybe if it doesn't go out on day seven hopefully by day 14 it'll go out yeah like that might be the next 
Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's and also uh, Alloy, they're both really good at driving these sorts of discussions of like what what kind of trade-offs are we able to reasonably make Mm -hmm. and still meet the requirements that our stakeholders bring or the requests maybe requirements is too too firm because we're you know i've encountered things where you go and you you try something that was Mm -hmm. listed as a requirement so to speak and you're like, yeah, that's not possible. <laughs> or <laughs> it's going to be possible, but it's good. the effort um, involved in making that possible is going to be so huge as to make the the idea not worth it. Mm-hmm. But like, I think it's really good at driving those sorts of discussions. The, those those discussions, I think the er, the earlier stage startup the company you were in, the more likely you are to say it's not worth the effort. Mm-hmm. until further along and hopefully you didn't paint yourself into a corner before you can finally put in that effort <laughs> yeah I, although more often i've seen what happens is they uh, you know go well let's roll out a limited version of the thing you know that's done more quickly and mm-hmm. and then you have to you have to unpack and and rethink those decisions later mm-hmm because what looks like it's a fundamental thing was actually probably just a oversimplification of the problem <laughs> or, or it's a, Oh, well, this is not that important, but it looks really important because it's right in this critical path of code that that happens more often, I think than the, Oh, well, let's just not do that. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I think the biggest problems for that later is if the data model is is very different mm-hmm. like if there's lots of data that maybe you weren't tracking that you needed to at a later point yep and then migrating the old system into the new mm-hmm. that's that's really the hard part i've been there yep. <laughs> so a lot of times like i'll do things like yeah sure we'll We'll use the clock on the system for ordering. <laughs> At some point in the future, we'll fix that. Hopefully. <laughs> well, and that's that's the funny thing is I, you know, there's so often approximations of of uh, pure concepts that work nearly as well, mm-hmm. like the system clock. System clock is not a logical clock. There's no relationship between events that happen at you know subsequent times on the system clock. And that happens a lot more than we like to admit. Mm-hmm. I have many times been able to show people in logs, put timestamps in your logs and start looking and be like, hey, now look, we know for a fact that this event has to happen after this one. Because mm-hmm. sometimes they're in the same path in the code. There's no thread, nothing. It's going straight through. And the log messages are swapped. They're flipped. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's been fun. I watched somebody try to debug that for a long time and figure out why they were out of order. And, and I had told them because the clock on the system updated (laughs) and they spent a whole day trying to figure out how it could possibly happen out of order. And then they came out and they're like, it can't. I was like, that's because the clock on the system updated. (laughs) It's okay. 
Well, and it, it too, if you're if you're taking those logs and you're you're aggregating aggregating them in a separate system with That's the timestamps, yeah. If they're if they're not like in a linearly written file, um, it, even that there might be some edge cases on. Uh, but but if they're like going to some other system and it's sorting by the timestamp, yeah, it's going to reorder them. Yep. Thanks, Datadog. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's not just exactly. Data There's a bunch well, of systems I know. Do that. It, yeah. <laughs> well, because they don't know when they're going to get that message. They're dealing with that guarantee mm-hmm. too, so they're going to sort by that timestamp. And yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. Yep. And this is why <laughs> you use the monotonic time as much as you can. Even yep. that has some caveats, but uh, most of them are are minimal. Most of the time, it works until you redeploy. Hundred percent of the time, most of the time, <laughs> as much as possible. Percent of the time, it works every time. <laughs> I'm just watching your cat back there on the chair behind you. Mm-hmm. What's her name? This is Azolda. Azolda. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm I'm enthralled by the cat at the moment. Yeah. So we we had uh, had some changes at home. Uh, uh-huh. yes, good quality. You can all see this happening as we're talking about it. <laughs> uh, but no, we, we had to move this, this chair into my office, uh, from another room and she's taking it up as her own. So it's, it's now her chair. It's her chair when she's not on my lap or like on the desk between me and my keyboard. Um, she's on that chair. Problem exists between keyboard and Sean. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Always. In our morning stand-ups, you know, we use the stand-up bot. We talked about that previously. I, yeah. When when it asks for blockers, I'm often putting the, the cat jam emoji, you know, on there. Like the, the cat bobbing its jam. head. It's like, yeah. Oh, yes. Bobbing yeah, its head. You, know, like, <laughs> you mean getting ready to throw up? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's what that emoji is. Here comes a hairball. Anyway. Probably. <laughs> Welcome to Elixir Cat Laws. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. We came in here without a topic and then got one. I don't. Yeah, it was I good. I, yeah, thanks for filling me in, giving me some education. Yeah, well, I look forward to seeing what you do with TLA Plus in the future. I'll probably just stare at it and play around. <laughs> There's so many technologies that I've only used just to like play with and mm-hmm. never in reality. I did think about modeling this email system and then I was like, Oh, I got a, I got a long way to go into TLA plus before I feel like I can actually model that. And I don't have two weeks to work on it. So I may still yeah. model it. I may still model it. It's just that I have to have it done before that. Actually, I have to have the system done tomorrow. So we'll see. Yeah. I just write the model post facto and then. Yep. You know, and then see, I can go back matches. and f- fix my system. <laughs> and then you can oh, write I, your quick check about it, and then you can go, "Oh, yep, yeah, our email system's broken. Got to rewrite it." Yeah, I gotta get I gotta get better at uh, writing the stateful property. To- that is also hard. Yeah, I think for me it was I'd seen some done, mm-hmm. and so doing one myself was easier because I'd seen examples. It, it it is a mind bender. I think I've only ever had one good one. I mean, I've written a f- uh, yeah, two handfuls, 
mm-hmm. of them. And by handful, handful is five. So I think I've written it 10, 10 times, like major, major stateful tests that cover like a large portion of the system or a whole system. And I think I have one that is pretty good. And it was probably like the fourth or fifth one that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones after that, it's just, it's, it's hard to come up with generating your inputs and what they should be. At least that's usually my hang up. Yeah. And that's why I like the, uh, the grouped commands version of it. Um, I don't know if um, proper. Has I've not that. used quick check, so I have no idea. Uh, um, the, the idea, and I, I think it does. I th- I, Prop check is is that the Elixir version mm-hmm. of it, the wrapper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it has um, it has macros that you can do like def command or something like that. Oh yeah, um, and if you really think about it as uh, you know everything I want to do to mutate the system or to even check the validity of the system is a command, and that command has you know constraints on when it can happen um and what should be the results um Mm -hmm. and then it's all about well how do i generate that command usually that's dependent on the state of the system like um you know a good example might be like let's say the the stateful thing is some collection of data um Mm -hmm. and something you shouldn't generate maybe you should this is another thing like but uh something you shouldn't generate if you're trying to get something out of that collection is an invalid index into that collection, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say I, I have, you know, five things and I give an index of six, it's going to go, nope. You know, so you wouldn't, if you want it to be a correct command and not an incorrect one, which is another thing you can model, right? With, and you have to model make those separately. Command. Model yeah. them separately, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, so, um, so it can depend on state. But I, I, like, I like thinking about it in that way. Um, and then it makes it makes it easier to 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 model things that that are stateful. But I'm always thinking about what what's the sequ- what what is each command that I'm doing? What are the valid sequences? Uh, what mm-hmm. are the invalid sequences? That's why I was trying to draw that connection to to TLA plus because it's very much about what steps are possible to take next, and uh, and what are the contents of those steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they. I always run into where I want to make some sort of like, I, I, I guess real, I, I end up with a really complex thing in my model and I, I don't have a good example right now. I was really hoping to pull one up, but you get, you get into this really complex example and then you're like, well, now my model is so complex that that's hard to read. So you got to take a step back and, and like, Sometimes I found that it's like, um, I'll just test that somewhere else for now because mm. <laughs> my brain can't wrap around it. Or maybe it, maybe it's a completely different property test that deals yeah. with that piece and keeping things a little more focused. Yeah, I try to use um, built-in data structures as much as possible mm-hmm. to make my model. You know, like maps and lists and things like that. Atoms. Yep. There's some aspects of it that like have to be arbitrary. Because um, stateful tests usually do a generation pass of the commands, mm-hmm. and what you'll be handed because it's about like threading state through, and what you'll be handed in a lot of the generated things is just like a placeholder value, not an actual value you can yes. check, um, and that trips a lot of people up. 
but yeah, keeping keeping it's the state simpler. Like a, a good a good way to do it is like do the make your model the suboptimal version of your algorithm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like or flatten flatten your or, model or, fl- uh, or flatten the model, um, and like do the optimized thing in your actual code. Yeah, and then I also run into checking side effects is mm-hmm. painful. Yep, that's where I run into pain. It's like is maybe my model doesn't know like can't know ids of something for some reason maybe it's external to the system so then how do i check that these events happen correctly and then then that ends up informing how i make my apis so that they actually return these things and then i'm like well but then that's not very performant to actually return these things so i don't really want that to happen in the live system so yeah that's where i start running into problems maybe that's a discussion for another day (laughs) one thing i've done that may be useful i don't i don't don't know if it's uh, useful in your context but is um when i'm generating something in a stateful property generate the model value and the actual value separately like generate it so it comes out as a tuple you know Mm -hmm. and then and then you can like peel off the model value and use something simpler in the model and then like just be completely oblivious to what the 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 real systems value is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that that makes sense for your your kind of thing. Uh, you do end up like splitting and joining a lot of tuples. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but uh, but that that can be a way to to get around that particular problem. I try to keep models flat too. Mm-hmm. That helps. Mm-hmm. The less I have to dig down deep into a model to change something, the better off I am. Yeah, like pay the penalty of iterating over everything. Just yep. you know. Don't don't get it nested. It'll be too confusing. Now I have all kinds of thoughts going in my head. I think that means it's time to go. Probably. <laughs> all right, chat. John. Thanks for talking to you today. Cheers. Talking to me today. Talking to me today. Not to you. You talked to me, not you. Okay. I talked way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I listened way too much. So I don't maybe that's a good thing. Uh anyway. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Sean. I'll talk to See you. See you next time.